Because I've been very open with you yep. my whole life. Yep. Um, sometimes I think to your detriment. <laughs> some things I've told you that you wished that I hadn't. Um, but <laughs> you wish you hadn't? Or you, I no, wish I don't wish I hadn't. No, oh, I'm okay fine. then. I'm fine with telling you everything well, I've done. Uh, well, you know, your very first show, Son of a Preacher Man. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the cursed affection has been reworked. They're just two parents who happen to be dads. One called Harley, the other one is Wads. It's not really Wads, it's Wade. But Wade doesn't rhyme with dads. It's shitting with the door open. You just talk at your normal level, I'll adjust you. You're okay. all good. I bet you'll adjust. You. <laughs> <laughs> right so I've been adjusted by Wade. <laughs> Dr. Wade. Wade, would you like to tell... Um, <laughs> Peter Breen, my father, your funny jokes about my mother. No, thanks. No, they're, they're not not today while I'm here. But I'm still trying to process the love. First time I heard them, and, uh, I haven't gone back to listen again. Maybe she has a whole new appearance to me now. She's Bet she a, does. She has an alter ego. <laughs> uh, well, this is uh, another episode of Shooting with the Door Open, and we've got the personal best in. Hooray. Thanks for coming on, Pete. Oh, I beg your pardon? Thanks for coming <laughs> on. What? Oh, good to be here. Good coffee from across the road. He's trying to joke. You said no, thanks for coming on. Bad. Oh, all right. Uh, sorry. Come on, mate. Be mate. quicker. <laughs> you got me nervous about the old Mavis thing. I thought, has he found out about us? <laughs> yeah, how would he possibly know? Yeah, making rooting jokes about my mother. Uh, you know, it's fun. You would have done that in your day, Dad. Joked <laughs> about rooting your mate's mum. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> For once in my life, I'm 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 wordless, speechless, um, voiceless. Uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to get you back on uh, is well, because you're a good dad. Um, but you recently just went through a fairly big uh, life experience uh, in that of uh, burying your mother. I did. Well, you didn't do it yourself. You weren't digging the dirt into. No, the... no, I no nobody fell in the hole at the graveside. But Myrtle Beatrice Breen, that's right, born Myrtle Beatrice May, Correct. died at ninety-five. My Nena. Yep. Um, and I just, I, I, I just think that's a, you know, it's a big moment when anyone loses a parent, uh, but so late in life. Yep. You know, it's not. I guess that's like, wouldn't that be? I guess I don't know if there's a standard time, but like you know, I guess wouldn't a lot of people be losing their parents later in life? Like yeah. my dad and yeah. my well, parents have lost well, that's their the hope. Yes, that's the hope. Yes. That is the hope. I mean, I am 69. Can you believe that? And I'm hey nice. Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I understand it all. Right out. I'm a baby. Boom. I thought we weren't making Mavis jokes. <laughs> that's, that's not a Mavis joke. She's 69 as well. Yeah. That's how it works. Uh, Come on. All right. <laughs> Keep on. Moving. All right. Which, track. which pathway are we going on this morning? Who We're knows? Going down the serious sex one. Ed 101 no, or no, sex ed? No. No. Let's Sorry, not. Peter. This would be apologies. something like. This is sex ed six nine zero, right? Right. Don't shock me. I'm not shockable. Oh, Except you, when you start we'll talking see. about sixty nine with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> now edit that out, you rat bag. 
right? You nearly got it right. You rat fuck is what you should have said. No. No, no, no. Um, no expletives here. Uh, but yes, you are 69 and... And and my mother was still alive. And I'm thinking yep. like when I was... I remember when I was about your age, mm. I was thinking, this is what I used to think. If I make it to 80, that'll be so good. Now that I'm only 11 years away from 80, yeah. I'm thinking, my goodness, that's not long. And I feel like I'm still making sense of my life and what does life mean and what have I achieved? All of those questions. And then my mum has just died. And all the focus was on her. That's not fair. <laughs> yes. But yeah. it actually, it has been. It is fair. Do you yeah. think it's like put you, if you're already thinking about like your own mortality and, and your life before your mother passed away, has that really made more of an impact on you? Then? Have uh, you really kind of like seen like the clock, you know, I don't want to be morbid, but the clock kind of ticking down oh, a bit faster? Look, more so than ever, yeah. Wade. I, and I have a, a poet that I read, his name is John O'Donoghue, a former Catholic priest who passed away, died in his sleep at 52, by the way. But he, his, he was a recluse and he was a poet. And he said, um, he, he actually was talking about the time that he helped an old biker die. And he said, this guy said, I've had a full life and I squeezed the whole life out of my life. And he said, some people, they get to 65 and all of a sudden, they say, was that it? I've done nothing. And 65, I remember when I turned 65. And now that I'm 69, I realise that's what he was saying is actually right. All of a sudden, the options are reducing. Yep. I'm now having trouble with my feet. I'm now getting pains that I don't know where they're coming from. Why do I get these pains? Yeah. Uh, and so how much longer have I got? And Maeve and I just talked yesterday and we both said, if we can have the next 20 years as being really full of achievement and full of health, we'll be doing pretty well. By In 20 years, I'll be 89. Yeah. Yes. Right? I think probably... So that's what I'm thinking to answer your question. Yeah. Well, you because to jump in there, um, just because I know the story, so there's other details. Your father died very young. 52. Yeah, you've wow. already outlived your father um, by 17 years. Yes. And my grandfather. Yes. Oh, did uh, he pass away? He passed away when he was, I think, late 50s. I thought he was about the same age as Dad, but he was late 50s, yeah. Yep. W.J. Breen. Um, and then my father's... Oldest brother died at 66 of a heart attack out wow. in the paddock on the farm. But when your dad died, you were a brand new father. I was. Did I he? had my Lois. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that was, um, that, that was very sad, actually. That's but pretty impactful. Because you, you've just become a father and, and, you know, you had a... I don't know. I don't really know what your relationship was like um, with Stuart. Well, that's a good question because I, I've said a few times over the years that I was a bit distant from Dad uh, as a teenager, which is not... Not uncommon. Abnormal, is Yeah. That's no. pretty normal, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, but as I got married, and then I've been in Sydney, living on my own, and in Sydney for two years, sort of left home, then got married and then came back to Brisbane, and then Dad got sick. And But in that time, I'd beginning, I was beginning to get an adult relationship with Dad. Yes. And I was, I'd been in Cambodia, and then I'd come home, and Lois had been born. We're just beginning to develop a more adult relationship first time ever and then he died yeah that's that's a pretty hard loss yeah and i that's why i i cherish so much the relationship i now have with my three sons yeah and my daughter and would you were you starting to look for him to him for guidance with how to raise lois or how to be a father no i don't think so i i 
uh, like, do you f- I'm sorry, I guess my question is, do you feel like you've, you've lost something there, like in that guidance? I think so. Yeah. I, I didn't, uh, he was, um, he was the most amazing man. If you know Sinclair, yes. there's an element in which Sinclair and Stuart very similar. In, you know, Sinclair's always has that smile. He's always welcoming. He's always sort of seems to be optimistic all the time. Yes. Starting to sound like he's the fucking favourite, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I said to you at the gate you as we walked into Wade's house. The you're the favourite. No, Dad didn't. didn't say that. Dad. No, did I say you were the favourite? Yeah. But you're not my son. No, he's... <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I thought was like, doesn't say much about your other kids. <laughs> but yes, uh, well, then I suppose, Stuart, then if he's like Sinclair, is quite a um, sort of stoic, can-do, get-it-done kind well, of bloke. Yeah, Stuart, Stuart was always optimistic. I, I, and, you know, I, I, to answer your question, way to go back to that question about looking to him for, for advice... Uh, I don't know that it was that articulated in my mind. It, yeah. w- it was actually, it was just beginning to evolve. We were having, um, we were having conversations about being alive, but then he was sick. Yeah. yeah. As soon as Lois was 12 months old, uh, hang on, he died. Uh, she wasn't quite one when he died. So, you know, I'd already become a new father. Uh, was learning how to be a father. We were reading books about it. There was lots of stuff circulating then we were taking new steps as we were as baby boomers i was changing nappies i was like it was never done in my yes. parents generation yeah dad never did that that was the mother's work he never yeah. cooked at home that was mother's work yeah and that's just how they grew up yeah and so i was beginning to understand you know the baby boomers we're all going to do everything different we're going to change the world now we've stuffed the world but you know, that's another story <laughs> well, you certainly changed it <laughs> um yeah but so, that's a positive change though were there many yeah. of your peers doing the same thing as you around that yeah. time? Because that seems like a real kind of, um, I guess, unusual. Like for yeah, even of, for of boomers. Gener- for, even for boomers, it feels like that's something a bit unusual for like someone of your generation to be like so hands-on with a newborn. Well, we were determined. And, and yeah. Maeve and I were both determined that we wouldn't be like some of the things we saw in our parents. Yeah. Uh, and some of the things we saw in some of her siblings. Yeah. That we and so we really work to be a partnership. Yeah, that's what we try yeah. to do. Which I still think right. is pretty that amazing. Is and unbelievable. If you like look at the framework generation. you're coming from, mm. you from um, from Myrtle and Stuart and um, Mavis from Edgar and Pearl, who are mm. farm people. Mm. Um, you know, quite conservative. Yep. Out, uh, not as far as outback Australia, but you know, country Australia. Yeah. yeah. To to even have the idea in your head. Yes. That you want to do that, let alone do it. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't really know how you achieved it, and, and you absolutely were ahead of your time. I don't think that was the norm. It's the norm for our generation. Well, I don't even. Well, I think it's the norm to help with changing nappies. But I think there's whole sections of the community that still the woman's places. Yes, at home absolutely. And the yeah. man's places out. Well, then, we, we were like that. I mean, I went out to work. Yeah. We we still we we grow we we progressed into shared. Uh, income, yeah, uh, and but Maeve, it would work practically. Maeve stayed home, and I went out to work. Yeah, that worked practically. Um, I wasn't against it, and neither of us were against it. But she was very committed to that model, and of cur- course, Pearl and Myrtle both were saying, "You must stay at home with the children." Right. Yeah. Right. Actually, said it as well as 
yes. it was inferred. Yeah. So yeah. You, you didn't rock that boat. Yeah. And, of course, the farm, it was... And that was in actually interesting because Pearl and Mavis's aunts, they were all... They worked on the farm, a bit like Janita. Yes. Like yeah. They worked on the farm. So it wasn't just man's work out there and woman's work, they stayed at home. No, it wasn't like that. So there was a... In a sense, there was a modelling that had already been begun. Whereas for my mum... Well, there's another in interesting thing that's come about because of mum's death. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been reading through some of the material we've been sorting through. And mum was quite a remarkable person in that she... Within the Christian framework and the religious framework, the fundamentalist conservative framework... She was ahead of her time. So she was, a, she was a preacher and a teacher to women only, but still she was a leader. So she was out. And I used to sit at home with Dad listening to Mum on the radio when I was a little kid. Wow. Preaching the Christian message. So there, yeah, there you go, and I hadn't thought about this. That, so Maeve and I both came from a, from a place where both our parents had shared responsibilities or shared careers, yeah. if you like. Which is really interesting, but then it was the women who came back to the house and cleaned and cooked and looked after the children. You so know they what? Were that doing, still happens. They were doing double jobs. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I still sit in front of the TV and Maeve brings my tea to me. That's wrong. <laughs> I don't cook. <laughs> no, he doesn't cook. And it's for the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think, yeah, because it's interesting, it'd be good to have um, uh, Maeve's perspective on it. it would because, be. But yeah. because there's a part of it that you are a product of your environment, a product of the time, um, but that's all just justification for you uh, not doing a fair share of the housework. But also, right. like, realistically, your earning potential back then would have been greater than Maeve's. Absolutely. Like yes. there's just no other way to look around it. Like that's rightly or wrongly, yeah. you were going to get paid a lot more. That's right. Then she would get paid. That's right. Well, that's I imagine. And so, yeah, that's part of the problem. But also practically, man, you you got to bring in some cash to look after these. Like, you know, what, totally. But, but I just want to jump in there because yeah. that's a lot of the reasoning behind men go to work and, and women uh, stay at home with the kids and clean the house. But while the man is at work, um, the the wife is working. Yes, so 100%. When, when the husband comes home, why is it that he knocks off and she continues to work? That's right. Yes. Why isn't it that they both then yes. work at that That's time? right. Yes. When both parents are in the house, then it's 50%. That's right. Well, the Industrial Revolution could partly explain that, couldn't it? Yes. Well, it was just a necessity to get the, get the workers to work yeah. regardless of gender. It just happened that it was the men that were going off to work. You could have flipped it right at the start of the Industrial Revolution and go, righto, boys, you're staying home. Girls are going off to work. Fair enough. That sounds great. <laughs> Not too shabby. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> off to the factories. <laughs> yeah, Enjoy the Great War. <laughs> There's another interesting thing in Mavis's story is that uh, Edgar wanted Mavis to stay at home after she left school. Yeah. And Pearl said, Edgar, no, Mavis needs a job. There's an interesting thing. Yeah, wow. So he was, in a sense, I think, now Mavis would put a different spin on this, but he was he was wanting to perpetuate the romantic, like bit like your your show uh, and the delicate flower thing you talked oh, about. Oh, yes. So <laughs> he was wanting to perpetuate that romantic uh, notion of motherhood, womanhood. Putting women on home, the pedestal. Putting women on because the pedestal. Because they're soft and delicate. Like Pearl the Madonna's. Said, mm. Yes. Yeah. Pearl said... Uh, actually, Edgar, she needs a job. So she went and worked in the bank. 
Yeah, wow. And so that I find that quite interesting. Um, he didn't like. I've heard this before. My granddad didn't like the idea of women working and didn't want her, my mum, out in the farm working. Yeah. He didn't like the idea of that um, because it was hard work, it was men's work, and he didn't want his daughter yeah, doing that. Yeah, to be that. going through the hard. Yes, and so it sounds like on one perspective, well, that's you know a father doting on his daughter and caring for her and protecting yeah. her. But on, on, in reality, it's just straight-up chauvinism. And control. And control, yeah. So she was the only one who went to year 12 yeah, out right. of four. So the three brothers all... Left at year ten and went back onto the farm. Yeah, wow. And then Boyd went off to the army because they had to. They had. To. They had to keep the farm working. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Farm life is a hard life, man. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, it's got its it's got its uh, rewards for sure, but also it just seems like a very uh, time-consuming life. Well, Randall's family, all four of them, work that farm. Yeah. Both both exactly children right. are out. Sorry, it's not a criticism on farm life. It just it just looks hard. It's it just, just looks necessity from, from the start of the day to the yeah. very end. You do not stop. Well, we don't have slaves anymore. <laughs> it's the truth. That's, that's what true. that's used. That that was how you used to farm and get anything done was not pay people. Yeah. And now, like the reality of trying to run a functioning farm without slavery is. Better have some more children. <laughs> yeah, that's good. The pros and cons of slavery. Yeah? <laughs> the pros and cons. I'm just going to let you go with that. I don't want to jive in at oh, all. No, I know. It's fine. Randall and I were out on his um, deck looking out at um, the paddocks around his house, um, and there's all of these uh, volcanic boulders all littered through the paddocks. Yeah. Some of them are completely cleared, and those volcanic rocks have been stacked up as fence fences yeah. around the paddocks. And we were just both sitting there, and he's like, man. Because he'd love to clear the other paddocks that have got those rocks all through it. It's like, how would you do that? And both of us at the same time went, oh, slaves. <laughs> That's how that was done. Like, you, you couldn't afford to pay the man hours to get those yeah, paddocks cleared well, anymore. Yeah. That's just a grim truth about, about how things the, were done. Uh, the history well, of well, almost you, every you country. Could, you yes. could slide into uh, a, a bit of a, an attack on capitalism, which we all should be doing constantly. But it needs an Except attack. we're the beneficiaries of that. But all this... You could talk about people who are doing what Randall's doing, mm. regenerative farming, which is absolutely wonderful. And you could talk about people who are doing it and who have got the vision for it, but who are highly cashed up, who can pay people to come and clear the stones off. Yes. Yeah. Or when there is the massive drought that they're all experiencing at the moment along the east coast of Australia, they can destock because they don't have to keep the stock because they've got a backup. Uh, they got backup money somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And so for Randall and Janita, however, they have to think creatively constantly about how do we keep doing this? Because yeah. we believe in the vision. That's, yeah, that's another issue. How, again, going back to, you know, your recent life event with yeah. your mother. Yep. Um, and, you know, thinking about your own mortality. How yeah. do you think your four kids are going in terms of, you'd have to say that Myrtle's five kids who all spoke on the day I went to the funeral yep. and it was actually really great to hear all five of you talk. You had some similarities in the way you uh, remembered your mother and um, some pretty intense differences. Absolutely. Um, obviously, one of those being one of your brothers is quite a fundamentalist Christian yep. all the way to the other end of the spectrum. One of your brothers um, is a communist Marxist. So oh, really? <laughs> it's, like yeah. it's a pretty sweeping range. Are you right in the kind of middle? He'd be, you'd be closer to the Marcus side of things. Yeah, I'm closer to my brother. The fundo. Anyway, um, point being, uh, you're all okay, right? As as individuals who were raised by Myrtle and things got uh, done. Um, If you went uh, today, how do you think your four kids 
If I went today, if I passed out... Considering I just recently asked you for a loan. (laughs) One of us just took a cushion now. Hang on, just... just You asked me for a loan, did you? (laughs) I don't have any recollection of that. (laughs) (laughs) You've just agreed to it on the podcast. (laughs) Well, he's just said I don't know how many money. One of us has got a pillow. Just smothered you down. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, I think... You know, I could. Uh, all four of us are doing all right, but do you think you're done with parenting? I guess is the point. Was Myrtle done? Are um, you done? Oh man, that's a big question. That is. <laughs> well, we've got time to kill. That's <laughs> a, nothing to kill here, uh, because uh, righto. Two questions you're asking, aren't you? Mm. You're asking about is my parenting done, and mm. was Mary Mum's parenting done? Yeah. Stuart's parenting done? No, I don't think it's ever done because you're on. A, you're on. Relationships are forever. Yes. Relationships are forever. And there's always conversations to have. There's always more to know. You don't always know everything. If you think this is the problem with, for example, if I can go hike back to what you just said about my brother, fundamentalist Christianity, any, doesn't matter, fundamentalist anything, it's about inclusion and exclusion. And inclusion is to do with boxing. And this is all it is. This is our understanding is around this box. Mm. And if you're in that box, you're fine. If you're not, well, that's not how life works because life only ever works, I personally think at the moment, as an emerging artist, you get a concept and you explore that concept and all of a sudden a new concept opens and a new way of working. So understanding and knowledge and the world is the same. So when I talk with my best mates, uh, Lois, Randall, Harley and Sinclair and Maeve, you're off that list at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> You're a good man, but you're not. You didn't need to say it. You're not, you you it. You're not adopted, you right? You're not adopted. Really pointed at it. <laughs> you could have just left it at your kids and Mavis. Hey, Dusty, just give us some eye contact for a moment. <laughs> yes. So there's ne- there's a never-ending uh, possibility of understanding and with those five people. Yeah. Never-ending. With Stuart, it, it stopped too soon. I was just beginning the conversations with my mum. There was a cut-off time a long time ago, I'm sad to say, Yeah, yes. I stopped sharing stuff. And that was partly to do <laughs> with how incredibly dominant she was. Like here, I'm self-revealing here. Yeah. She was a very strong woman. Okay. Very dominant, very opinionated, but highly intelligent, highly talented, highly gifted, but very dominant. And I couldn't actually... I couldn't get my words out to explain to her where I was heading. And in my eulogy, I talked about the fact that for years now, mum and I were galaxies apart. Yeah. And that was to do with religion primarily. Yeah. Because religion to her was everything. And if you want to have more discussion about it, you could talk about the concept of dualism. And dualism is there's this world or this all of this stuff that goes on here, which is really not worth anything, and then there's the other world. That was all that she was interested in, was yeah. getting people, in inverted commas, saved. So once they're into that, they're fine. And I had moved on from that. The way I saw, to jump in there too, the way I saw my nana fairly early on, and partly because of the change that you were going through, moving away from fundamentalism into a different paradigm, um, made me sort of examine uh, my nana in a different way, and I found her love very conditional. It yeah, was right. and very like very um, big personality and very loving and very caring as long as you'd accepted Jesus Christ into as your you life. Tick, like, and certain boxes, uh, you had to tick that box, and if you didn't, 
then it that was a pretty prickly experience. And so, yep. you know, I, I totally understand why you would stop sharing. Why would you want that constant conflict? Did you have regrets then at the end about that? Or no, did, is that mean you had made peace with it? I made peace with it personally. Yeah. But what I had to process was the relationship that all of my siblings had with her were all different. And I learned something in the funeral service and at the gravesite. And that was that my two youngest brothers, uh, Leighton and David, they were young when Stuart died. And children. I was, they were 11 they were and 13. Children, 11 yeah, and wow. 16, actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So I thought, man, I don't think I really entered into that as much. I don't, didn't have as much understanding as I do now. Yeah. As I saw them, they were, they were crying at the graveside. Um, Leighton was just a bit of a mess when he was doing his presentation at the funeral. It was really great. I, I'm quite, it was good. I'm quite fond of uh, my uncle Leighton. But he, yes, he'd, from start to finish, was quite a mess on stage. Yeah. And I think it's because the death of his mother raised uh, all of that hurt of the death of his father when he was a child. And I imagine, yeah, because he was just brought up by Myrtle then, wasn't he? Like, and then a stepfather. And yeah, then a stepfather. And, and right. then a stepfather. And, and that... That has been a learning for me and over the years, like in my pastoral role when I was a pastor for 20 years, I had to deal with people who lost partners and then remarried. And then I, I, there was there's two. It was my mum and another friend of mine. Yeah. Both remarried and they both had challenging second marriages. And I've said to myself and I've said to Maeve, if you go... I'm on my own. <laughs> Nobody else is coming into this relationship. I've learned enough. But as another mentor of mine said uh, years and years ago, a surgeon who's retired, I said to him, Frank, I would never do this. This is when mum got with her stepfather. He said, Peter, you don't know. You don't yeah. know what you'll be like. That's right. And look, I, I go back to the idea of parenting. Um, when you talked about me changing over the years, mm. I think it's an interesting model uh, or an interesting conversation to have about what is parenting. And there's, if you look at the transactional analysis model of, of relationships, you've got parent, adult, child. You know that one, do you? No. Okay, so it's I'm okay, you're okay. That was a, a popular book back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And the, the basic idea is we move in and out of each of those models. A parent, we're either a parent, we're an adult or a child. Now, it's very simplistic, but basically the parent is the one that says, You'll pick up that and you'll do it in five minutes or else you're in your bedroom. Yeah. Right, that's, that's the parent. The adult or the child is, okay, righto, and misbehaves a bit and carries on and likes, likes to be the child. Yeah. The adult in the middle is, let's have a talk about this. We'll have a conversation about this. Like we're all doing here. We're all adults at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, we're having moments. We, we're having moments. <laughs> we're having moments of being... Very extended moment in this podcast, actually. <laughs> a child. It's the most so we, we've been in a long there time. There are times when you go into child, and it's great to be a child, and you just lose, yeah. it, lose all the inhibition, that, all, all that sort of stuff. What I would say is that there's times in my life when particularly in my change to my understanding of spirituality, my understanding of culture, my understanding of religion, that probably my children didn't become my parent as much as we all became adults together. But in a sense, they parented me. As yeah. they emerged into young adults and they began to really think through things, particularly the middle two children. Yeah. But... My daughter as well, who's in highly intelligent, and then my youngest son, who he is highly intelligent, and he had to endure my leaving of my second parish 
he had to endure some horrible stuff in the last big church meeting that I was in yeah. where I was effectively, I, I brought it on myself. I said, let's have a big church meeting and talk about all this stuff you think is going wrong with this particular bloke. The model's broken, incidentally. Yeah. Um, and he was there crying as he heard his father crucified up in the front. Like, it went on. It was horrible. But so, like, It was a witch hunt, mate. It, it was, was a witch hunt. So yeah. all, all that to say, all of my children became advisor, mentor parents to me and yeah. Maeve, but more so me than her. She's yeah. always her own person. She's able to, content, to, to put things in its place in her head. But we've all grown together. Well, all I have to say is, what is parenting? If you're not willing to learn from your children, if you're not willing to learn from the child in the street, if you're not willing to learn from old mate who's out there um, half-dressed on the street and sitting begging, well, who are you? Yeah, yeah right. There you go. That's, and so I'm thankful for my parents in immersion in that world. Like I lived in a home like what I was talking about before that mum set up where I'd wake up in the middle of the night hearing women screaming and mum trying to calm them down. I'd, I'd wake up uh, and and come to the table at breakfast with women who'd come from Pentridge and, and Fairley Prison. You know, that was yeah. an amazing immersion. So that I was learning about these people have value. So to give that context, Myrtle started a thing called The Open Door, yeah. uh, which was taking in women who'd just left prison. Oh, wow. Um, and then also, which doesn't exist anymore in, in, in its entirety, but started another thing called um, The Prison Network, um, which still exists the C- the ceo of the director or whatever it was t- spoke at the funeral so 70 years ago wow started, started that, so. yeah wow yeah so she would visit prisons so he literally grew up with cons and in the house did that like um influence you going into the church to be a pastor like when you heard your mother on the radio preaching or and uh, when she, when you saw the good work that she was doing and you were clearly like involved in quite a religious family growing yes, up very much so did that was there like a steady kind of like path for you to go into the church? Was that like a clear Always. clear road? Absolutely. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So uh, I remember when we left Bundaberg, uh, well, that was my first parish, um, and it was a, there was a bit of conflict. And as I just said before, the model was broken. So one male, like quickly, church history, uh, the year 300 uh, in the Christian era... Constantine decided he couldn't fight these Christians, so let's make it the state religion. So we'll blend yep. Roman, uh, um, Roman imperialism, imperialism with Christianity. We'll, we'll make this the state church. We'll build buildings and we'll place professional male clergy, still married by the way, yep. but that didn't happen for a long time, and that model stayed and it's still here today. So the model was, was broken. Where was I going with this? Oh, yes, I know. You, you left Bundaberg. When I left Bundaberg. Right. When I left Bundaberg. I remember 300 years ago, and then I left Bundaberg. <laughs> and that's the history of the church. <laughs> well, it's all about me, isn't it? That's really? all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Oh, man, that was a so bit good. of a, a demented moment. No, no way. I liked it. No way, man. That was the best. I loved it. And so what, what I remember sitting in the back of the church somewhere and saying to somebody... This is all I know. Yeah. And that was all I knew. Because all I ever knew was that you have to go into either be a missionary or be a minister or be a preacher. Billy Graham was my hero when I was growing up. Missionaries who went to India were my heroes. Um, there was no, uh, there's only other one hero I ever had, and that was Ron Barassi. Yeah, right. <laughs> Number 31 was on the jersey <laughs> I had as a kid. 
And I don't know whether it's because I was particularly linear in my thinking, and that's part of my challenge now, is how do you break out of that? Yeah. Anyway. Well, because I had the same experience until I was 22. That was absolutely my life. And then I left. That's all I knew for 22 years. I was in church as a minimum once a week for 22, well, for 20 years. At 20 was when I started not turning up to church anymore. And 22 is when I fully walked away from it. And then even at my age, at 22, I had lost all of my subculture. I had lost my community. I had lost my tribe. You did it at 52, but, you know, it took... that's a huge thing. You you weren't. I was walking away from that with my family. We all kind of did it together, not not to the same extent that I did, because um, everyone's got their own but story. But you had like some support around there. Well, because we all were we were all going through this change sort yeah. of at the same time. I was leaving for a different reason to why Dad eventually left, and to why my siblings did, and blah blah blah. And they all have different belief systems. Point being, um, you were doing it and breaking a multi generational line that's pretty big that that is correct and the thing i talked about before having no regrets with mum but having come to terms with the fact i hadn't told her everything when i left the church it was really difficult i went back to radiography yeah then i did a master's in creative arts therapy to try and understand my own uh, my own emotions around the whole thing but what I never told her, and she, I would, didn't want to, was that I was now not a believer in her fundamentalist mantra. Yeah, it would have, it would have destroyed her. So she saw that I had been crucified by the church, which I had. It was a political act of of treachery, and that's common. There are ten thousand pastors in the church in Australia, and ten thousand out. It's one of the most, one of the highest fallout rates. Most pastors only last ten years. I lasted twenty. I did pretty well. Yeah. Wow. And there's a whole heap of reasons for that. Mainly, it's because I think the system is broken. Anyway, let's not talk about that. It's not church history lesson. But all that to say, when I didn't, when I say I didn't share everything with my mother, part of that is to do with her personality and her temperament and her strong views. The other was to do with her paradigm, as Harley's just mentioned. And I couldn't tell her that. But I guess that's a way of, like, um, why put uh, an extra strain on that relationship unnecessarily. And that's a like, nice way of putting it, actually. And that I made that decision. Yeah. I guess to go from there then, because I've been very open with you yep. my whole life. Yep. Um, sometimes, I think, to your detriment. <laughs> some things I've told you that you wished that I hadn't. Um, but <laughs> you wish you hadn't, or you? I no, wish. I don't wish I had No, I'm oh, okay fine. then. I'm fine with telling you everything. Well, I've done. Uh, well, you know, your very first show, "Son of a Preacher Man." Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the crucifixion has been reworked. Um, but uh, this is a fairly hard question, I guess. But is there a sense of relief that she's now no longer here? Yeah, yeah. there is. There is a sense of relief. I the only. The only time I actually shed a tear, and I, I, I've had to think about this. My sister had emotion. My th- three brothers had emotion. I saw it. Yeah. I don't think they saw me shed any emotion the whole time we were together, except on the stage when I finished my eulogy, when I said, um, and I couldn't actually say the last line that's on the written text. The yeah. last line was, thank you, mum. The line before that was, towards the end of her life, Mavis and I were in the room with her in her nursing home, and she said this, she said, I think we just have to accept each other. 
that was a massive admission of growing up, wow. <laughs> in my words. That's and when amazing. I read that out in my eulogy, that's when I got a bit emotional. Because to me, some of the ways that she had been towards my wife and my children, this is not to bag her, yeah. I found hurtful because I know how it hurt my wife. But I also know how my sister felt hurt. Yeah. So my sister never felt let in. Now, that's because one of the things I said in my eulogy, again, if I can refer back to that, is mum was always a presence. She was massively a presence, but she wasn't always present. Okay. There's two things there. Yeah. And that's the difference. So I've worked hard in my life. You talk about how we changed with our parenting roles. We've always tried hard to be present to our children. I haven't always succeeded uh, because the church, and, and I'm, as, I'm a high achiever and I'm always wanting to achieve something. So as I've always all, but always made decisions about spending time with the children, not always very well. I talked with Holly the other day about rites of passage and I said, did I do that very well? I don't think you did. So that's what he said to me the other day. But it doesn't mean I didn't try. Oh, yes. I think well, you're making the effort there. And, and that's not to say my mum didn't try either. Yeah. But it was always the Lord's work that was far more important. That was everything. So I've often said that she should have been a nun. Yeah, right. Just totally focused on that other world because that's all that she wanted to do. Um, but she loved her kids, always, always did. I think... I think you're a, um, an exceptional dad, and I've, we've talked about it on the last episode you're on. Um, I think all well, my siblings would agree with me, uh, but I also think I've enjoyed you much more as a father uh, since we got out. Yep. And and maybe that coincides with us becoming adults together and having I, adult I relationships. Uh, but also, that 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 whole oppressive part of it is gone. Uh, and now we can just, I feel far more on an equal playing field with you. Do you feel like, because you used the word like transactional earlier, do you feel like there's much more transactional relationship as like your kids are adults rather yep. than when they're kids? Because when they're kids, it's not really a transaction. It's like on the boss no, or the employee. No. Terrible employees. <laughs> <laughs> just the worst. Oh, but like as he's an adult, like he's... Oh, it's wonderful. I, yeah. You know, it's just great being adults with my best mates. You're pretty present with your grandchildren as well. Yes, I'm pretty I committed to. to them. I, I love doing that. I was thinking before when you you know talk about your father dying, I'd almost be. I, I reckon I'd be more ready. I would have been better then if I was 22 and you died at 52, than I am now. <laughs> if yes. you know what I mean. Like now, I, I was just thinking about you know if you going. I'm not ready to not to to answer the question I asked you. No, your parenting's not done yet. Don't fucking go. That is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but was if you died when I was 22, I'd just probably go. All right, yeah, come and on. And 22, That's, you kind of think you know everything. Yes, yeah. At totally. 22, you kind of think, ah, oh, no, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I've yeah. been alive for 22 years. And then as you get older, you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, oh, no, 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 no. You want to move back in with your parents? Please help me. Yeah, well, that's good. But you know what? I just thought of what you were saying, Harley. At when Stuart died, when I was twenty-five, uh, almost twenty-six. So um, I was just starting life. I was working back at the Royal Brisbane uh, before we went into pastoral work, and I've there was two men who became surrogate, if you like. Is that the right word? Yeah. Fathers. Yeah. One was the surgeon I mentioned to you before, who's st still alive, Frank. Another was another guy by the name of Ray. So they became, in my life, the men that my father never was. Because he died. Yeah, wow. Yes. 
So you still need it. You still got to have. Those. You still need it. And I think it's yeah. like you would have had me. I had Wade. <laughs> and so, look at how well I'm doing. <laughs> so maybe that's, that, maybe that talks about the fact that the uh, like the rite of passage thing, uh, our focus on the nuclear family is a bit f- is a bit it's a bit skewed. Yeah. We need we need other we need other men, fathers, yeah. mentors, yeah. and other women. Really, yeah. yeah. Mentors is a good. Mentors. It's a good. We need a so. tribe. Yeah, you need a tribe, yeah, and that tribe, tribe can be your nuclear, your traditional nuclear family, or it can be like any kind of makeup of people you want. But there's yes. got to be a tribe. You've got to be a, a sense of community there. And, like, and there's been some talk about the fact that, um, you know, like this marriage and partnerships and all that sort of thing. And I don't believe in open marriage, but I, I think that my Mavis can't satisfy every need of mine for, say, in the arts or creativity or. Yeah, that like she comes along to art galleries, has done all our life. Yeah. Uh, but you need more relationships. That's is what, what you're I'm saying. saying. I'm not yeah. just one. I'm not talking about open marriage. I'm talking, and I don't, I don't want to even explore that. I think that's another. Dad's getting flustered. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I am, I'm getting flustered. But man, all I'm saying is that um, this nuclear family thing that's grown out of the Reformation uh, and the Renaissance, probably. Uh, and and I'm not really an anthropologist. And I'm not a historian, but um, I I just think that uh, we need others. Well, yeah, it's it's to our um, detriment having you know a lineal line thinking in relationships. It's it's absolutely not in our benefit. Yeah, and I th- what has happened is Christianity has adopted this linear thing and this narrow view of parenting. Uh, and so I think what you guys are doing is absolutely wonderful because you're, you're, it's it's very raw, and you're talking about stuff that's real to you, and other people now feel free to talk about it, um, and that's in a sense I think building a tribe. I don't know. Is yeah. That how you see. Yeah. You, do you feel like you were communicating this way to people when you're a pastor? Like you know, maybe not up on he when was you're trying to people, but like on the one-on-one. I'm assuming you did like the one-on-one chat. I don't really know how it works. No, he he was trying to do this. This I is why they tried to get rid of him. This is exactly why they tried to get rid of him because he was talking like this, and yeah. they, and they were they had their little Middle Australia conservative club, and essentially this is you the truth. And I and I'll call this not fit the mold. I'll call this out. Those those type of Christians want this. They want two things. They want to be told why are we going to heaven, and even more importantly, they want to be told why the others are going to hell. Because yeah. that gives them a sense of feeling exclusive and a part of some um, magical club that they got into. Which, and I'm not judging all Christians on that. That was what we were in. is what a lot of people want. Yes. It's and that was Human beings that. would like, just in general, whether in the church or not, they want to be part of a club. That's why people like uh, follow sports so well. They're like, oh, yes. I'm a Tigers fan, I'm an yes. All Blacks fan. That's why people like uh, get hard into like Star Wars or mm-hmm. whatever it is. People just want to feel like they're part of an exclusive club and they can be this the, us and them. And so when, people the preacher, want to have and them. when their leader starts talking about grace and love and how you treat the people lesser than you and, and how you should uh, be uh, more compassionate in well, society. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian. That's exactly <laughs> right. They went, get the fuck out. That's essentially what happened. And, and also... When and we're the better for it. And we, yes, we are the better for it. Absolutely. And when the, when the leader also starts to say, I'm not sure how well I'm going, you don't say that. You never say that from the pulpit. You yeah. never either cast doubt on your own journey. 
You never cast out ever, 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 ever on the scriptures. And yeah, I did. Right. I did both. And that was another issue because I felt insecure. Because like you said so well, Wade, people actually want to belong. I don't think there's anything wrong with belonging. No, not at but all. But if you're... If you're soft at the end, at, this is what this is a bit of a throwaway phrase. But if you're soft at the edges and hard at the core, then you've got problems. You've got to be. Um, no, that is the right thing. You've got to be. <laughs> yes. you, you shouldn't be hard at the edges and soft at the core. And that's the that was the problem. They were soft yeah. at the core. They hadn't thought through their issues. They hadn't thought through their theology. They hadn't thought through their cultural. Uh, they just put up the walls and hey? just spent all their time yeah, defending absolutely. like the walls yes. without like. Have you heard a of a wall before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, thanks very much. I just got like a, another quick question. Yeah, Unless you guys have to rush away. No, no. Um, how do you feel like now that you're you've hit sixty nine and you look back on your life? Is there anything? Not that you would do differently, but do you have any regrets? I mean, you talk about like going back to study like later on, and I'm interested because next year I'm thinking about going back to do like a writing course, like a year long writing. Yeah, course. good on you. Um, but d- did you find like that a hard decision to make when? You were like, I'm going to go back and do like a creative arts degree or you got a master's in, I'm sorry, was creative, it? Creative arts therapies. Yeah. Yep. Was that like a big What's decision? Question? Sorry. Well, it's two, it's two barrel regrets, decisions you made, things you went into. Uh, and then was it a hard thing? To go back and study of, as an adult. Yeah. Like to make that kind of change to go like, well, I've hit this point in my life and that's not working. Um, was it a hard decision to go, well, I'm going to go completely another direction and go back to study or because you could have just gone well I'm going to go and be a plumber I don't know like a radio stayed being a radiographer um, the, the regret I think regrets uh, are easy to get uh, and easy to pick up and then you become a victim easily if that's the case or, or you blame or one can blame another yeah um, and no, I don't think I have any regrets. I think the the one thing I wish I'd done was do more things more quickly, but and that is the arts were always my passion. Yeah. But I never did that. Yeah. Medicine was my first passion, right? Yeah. And that was driven by also by I, I was I, medicine's a wonderful world. The medical world's a wonderful world. Um but that was also driven by again, the missionary vision. I wanted yeah. to be a missionary doctor, right? That was one of the things. Um, I never actually wanted to be a pastor. That's just what happened. Right? Yeah. Um, the other thing is that with mum, she always had this, having come from poverty, uh, having lived, it was pretty tough, she wanted her children all to have a job. As she said, you have to have a ticket. Yeah. So we all had to have a ticket. So that's why I did radiography. But that was her decision, not mine. Okay. Right? But how that worked out was when I left the ministry, when I left the pastorate, then I had a job. I went back into radiography so I could support my family. So what I would have liked to have done was, after the church, to have done a PhD in anthropology oh, wow. and culture. But I had a family. Yeah. I mean, Harley had left. He'd come to Melbourne. But Sinclair was still... He'd just finished school uh, in 2001. So it could have been done. But I think part of my issue is I'm actually, in some respects, quite cautious yeah, and so learnt to control the finances meant that I didn't make some quick decisions. So regrets, uh, I think, get as much education as you can. Okay. And in, in fact, get exposed to university life um, as quickly as you can. And you guys at your age, yes, do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I absolutely. Guess that's what I was looking for. And, Let's and, go to uni together. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Imagine like, like old school. Yeah. <laughs> totally. In a sense, Start it doesn't a matter. <laughs> that's going to feed your careers, but it doesn't really matter now, I've realised. It doesn't matter if that's not going to lead to a career as much as it's going to lead you to become a better father and a better thinker. Yes, Man, that's yes. needed today. And yes. do the right, but choose the right courses. Because I'm feeling like a little bit lost. I turned 40 this year and I just don't know really what I'm doing. Like I never really had a career as I got older. As I was like, a, you know, I just partied, drank, moved from job to job. Now I've got like a family and kids. And I'm thinking about starting to study now what other people were doing when they were like 20. And but I'm just feeling yeah, like... Yeah, but they bit, didn't know what they were doing when I'm they were just 20. So no, they didn't I'm know overwhelmed. You know, I just feel a bit lost. Mm. You know, about that... I. I got an award to go and uh, do a three-month sabbatical at Harvard University when I was just before I left the ministry. Wow. I got an award. And I didn't take it because I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And it was about the relation of the, of the arts to spirituality. And it was Jugglers had just begun. I'm very glad I didn't do it because I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Now, I've actually applied to do some work. I've applied. I'm always applying for something. But now I could talk about it. I know so much more. So... Doing it at 40, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, do it. You're You've got a depth now. of life now. Yeah, that's depth right. Depth of life. Yeah. That's a great phrase. That is a great phrase. Depth of life. How about this? Have you seen Gonzo? <laughs> <laughs> depth of life. <laughs> depth of wife, eh? <laughs> right, uh, that's enough. Finish now. Here, look, can, I, can I do the benediction? <laughs> Everybody stand. Benediction. Please stand. <laughs> Please stand. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce that. You had to go out in a dick joke. Uh, got to go out in a dick joke. <laughs> Here we go. Good on you, PB. That was excellent. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. That was yeah, very insightful. And who do I send an invoice to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just put it on the tab. <laughs> right. Dads.